This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Listen, Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I am your host, Blake Howard, and we are up to the 33rd minute of Michael Mann's crime epic, Heat from 1995, and I'm joined again by Mr. Garth Franklin. Welcome back to One Heat Minute, sir. It's good to be back. Oh, well, it's and, and, in, and in person, in the One Heat Minute studio, <laughs> um, and we're, we're waiting with bated breath to see Vincent in sort of his natural habitat now. Hunting down Albert Torina uh, is played by Ricky Harris and uh, his brother played by Tone Loke, um, uh, which we'll see a little bit later in the film. But this is where we meet Albert Torina, who we've already heard about in a previous conversation with Vincent and Casals, I think in an earlier minute, around 25, 26. Sir, welcome back to One Eight Minute. Thanks for being part of it again. That's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 have a listen to uh, the minute if you're listening at home. Garth and I are going to watch it and then we're going to come back and talk about it with you guys. break free Vincent you know this vibe <laughs> I love that you chose a minute that ends precisely as someone says let's violate his ass it's my, it's my family motto <laughs> <laughs> it's on my it's on the family crest um so I, I, see I the sun. <laughs> such a weird and interesting minute of heat as far as yeah I mean this is like a pure establishing shot for the most part uh, in terms of where we're going to... Pacino uh, is essentially meeting a snitch, so it's, it's going out of their way to get there. <laughs> and to this place, in actual shooting places, a place called Terminal Island, which is off Long Beach in California. Yes. Now, Terminal Island, you basically do not go there. <laughs> yeah, okay. You do not go there. It's just it's just too dangerous. There's, it's got a reputation. It's like a... Let's see. If, you know, Rio has its city of God. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is kind of that for Los Angeles. Right. Uh, even worse than sort of, you know, there are places that are sort of within the city that are rougher in terms of like purely rougher. Like some of the downtown worst parts of Compton are, are sort of rough in terms of just sheer violence. But in terms of just decay and poverty and all that sort of stuff, yeah, some of this is pretty bad. And the uh, it's just an interesting place because it's all, as you see from this part, 
just you start out with a sulfur mine of all places. I know that's that's <laughs> what that's what I noticed is um. Yeah, so one of the most striking things is where if you sort of see, it's like 32 minutes, 12 seconds, you can have a look at uh, McKelty Williamson standing here, and behind him is that massive pile of sulfur, and you've got this, you know... Oh, those are all industrial factories. Industrial factories, and it's it's this low-hanging, almost like toxic-looking cloud. It's Chemical clouds. It's it's a really different... It's a different stage in LA than you, you kind of ever used to. It's, the, it's, it's, well, it's sort of outside of LA, it's a bit of Long Beach, but it's, yeah, it's, this is not what you consider when you think of LA. I mean, they, there was an earlier shot, one of the first episodes I did with you guys for the One Hand Minute stuff was when Val Kimmel was getting some explosives. That was in the City of Industry, which is another place, which is essentially, it's like a builder's warehouse kind of thing. Where yeah. Where everyone goes to get their goods. <laughs> <laughs> so this is more, this is kind of the rougher, a bit more rundown sort of area of that. And, and then, and, yeah. and so we're winding in, you know, um, at this point, McKelty Williams is and drunk. And to like a shanty town in California, in Monday, California, which yeah. is something you don't really get. And, w- and what's crazy. Like a favela almost. Yeah. Exactly. You walk in, you've got this sort of overgrown um, shanty coverings that, you know, vine covered. Mm. And, and then assemblage of, you know, you, you walk in and just at 32, 32 minutes, 33 seconds, there's a bus that has been sort of repurposed into a, a house. Wall. Yeah, it's, it's, it's both a <laughs> probably wall a storage place and well. a house and a storage. And at the same time, you've got a whole bunch of dogs, which we're going to assume are dogs that are fighting dogs. Um, uh, uh, Wait, there's no real assumption there. They are fighting. No, there's like a pit right in the middle. There's, <laughs> we're around a pit, and it's the Central Baptist school bus from Huntington Beach that's been <laughs> stolen. It looks like and put in there as a wall slash. Um, cage leaning device and this is Vincent here just completely unintimidated and I, I love there's like a great sort of message here almost is like this guy is so cool that he does not give a crap about these junkyard dogs that he's literally well, he's surrounded by basically killer dogs in a really really creepy looking kind of yard I mean this is the kind of thing that would send most people scared and he's just walking like, <laughs> like I'm just going to get Starbucks done <laughs> <laughs> this, this is business as usual but yeah. again blue tarp so even in the dirtiest grimiest, yellowest city of industry, Michael mm-hmm. Mann's blue tinge is, uh, is oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's a, like, a light scheme. And you wonder how much of that was actually set up initially <laughs> or how much of that was Mann's responsible. And so we get into a, like an LA chop shop. You know, you look around on the left, you've got Porsches. Straight ahead, you've got a couple of Porsches. Multiple Porsches, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was just having a look at those different um, bodies. But yeah, it's definitely yeah. a Porsche shop shop. that we've got around there. And so you've got the whole... You know, the whole team, Albert Torino. And mm. Albert walks in. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you have to see with all the, as soon as Pacino bursts in the room, everyone flees, except Albert, who's just sitting there in his, like, <laughs> fine piece suit and all that sort of stuff. He's just ready. It's he's like, like oh, for... <laughs> yeah, and and exactly where we've stopped is 32 minutes, 47 seconds. And Ricky Harris, who plays Torino, is like, oh. He's literally got that sort of grimace. Oh, shit. Here he comes. <laughs> But I love this scene for you. You've seen a very focused, you've seen a very assertive, but you've not quite seen some of the more manic elements of Vincent's character, of the Bettina yes, betrayal yet. of Vincent. Yeah. This is where we start to sort of, where people who mock the film, even if you do it lovingly so, as some people like I do love this movie, mm. this is a moment where you're like, oh, okay. Um, 
He's been fairly reasonable before this point. Yeah, yeah, he's like, been quite reasonable. But but again, I think it's a great contrast. And mm. what you guys might have heard in in just an earlier episode with Joe Lynch, um, he he talked about the revelations at the recent sort of um, uh, definitive edition release of Heat in the United States at a Q and A with Michael Mann and Chris Nolan and actually Pacino and a bunch of the cast in tow, um, talking through. You know, they had originally conceived of the character as a guy who was you know, hitting a bump of cocaine before he went in to these situations. And so, and that's at least how Pacino was. But regardless of whether you sort of prescribe to that new version of it or not, I, I, I always viewed what we're about to see in this performance as him trying to keep people off balance and people scared. Like when these guys flee, the, the Vincent before doesn't make sense for them to flee. But no. the Vincent we're about to see, it <laughs> makes sense. Well, also, I mean, you, you are in an area where he knows deliberately that being cops will push everybody out of the way. Yes. And then he walks He walks in. This is Pacino, more like the Pacino we're used to outside of this movie. Yes. More like the sort of the loud, bratty, confident, just projecting. <laughs> yeah. Projecting, projecting like, like he's to, <laughs> to a playhouse. Yeah, exactly. Right? And he's also doing that... Because also this is a case of a, a police, a cop and his snitch, or as they say, an informant as such, there is a power imbalance in this case. Yes. It's like he, and he's deliberately establishing, I can come in any time, basically sit on your couch, take one, you've got to give me the information, otherwise, what use are you? Why yeah, don't I just it's almost like a, um, it's almost like the relationship of like a debt collector. Mm. Like, to I'm coming into your house and you're going to give me whatever I want right now. To some extent. I mean, a lot of this movie is about the sort of power relationship, different power relationships between people. And, the, you know, De Niro and Pacino are the two that are also on the same level and they sort of realise that right from the start even before they meet, mm. which is like an interesting sort of dynamic. Whereas to Pacino, a lot of these people under him, including some of the ones you would normally expect to be on a similar level, like... Girlfriend at the time, yeah, Justine. <laughs> he treats sort of almost like an underling at, at different points. It's like, yeah, as much as he cares for them, as like they're still they're on a different level to him. Yes, and but in in this moment, and I guess that's the that perfect synergy, right? So that if if you're looking at it and you're seeing them on the different levels, that's why there's that sort of operatic melodramatic quality when they these two equals do meet. Mm. That's why it's so profound, is because they find this kind of weird comfort and There's like a simpatico between the two. Yeah. Like they're on the same level. They're on the same level. And so... <laughs> what also happens with a lot of the alpha male sort of types, where people are either under them, or they either defer to someone who's like, they see as more someone in seniority, or they basically treat the person under them like shit. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it's hard to find people that are on sort of, almost peers, which are on sort of the same level. Yeah. And so we've got... Tarina here. Yeah. Vincent comes in just kicking down the door. He throws down his cutlery. There are, I love how there are just like a couple of guys like, oh shit, they That's are cool. the cops. Because <laughs> Drucker, and this is what I, I love about uh, McKelty Williams' performance, is like, he's got this great, like, he's just casually adjusting his jacket. Right. Yeah, just showing the, the badge the, and the, the gun. The badge and like the gun. Casual. Casual. Yeah. And he's, he is as cool as it gets. And so he walks in, these guys go, oh, okay, yep, yeah, this is that. And Drucker, I love here, there's this great frame, just like a frame back 32 uh, 32 minutes 54 seconds (laughs) where you see a guy flee but Drucker has his hand on his gun and is casing the space just just in case and Vincent has is doesn't care did you notice the the way the guys were fleeing though which is interesting these guys aren't sprinting out they're sort of like 
quietly sort of they just yeah. quickly sort of yes. stop this off the running. <laughs> it's it's a cockroach scurry. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's like, oh shit, uh yep, I was just eating all those crumbs off the floor uh, and the lights are on. Part <laughs> yeah. Part of the furniture. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's not quite as uh Homer backing his way through a hedge, but yeah, it's yeah. it's it's trying to be unobtrusive nonetheless. <laughs> and so we get here, Vincent just bang, we've only got six seconds left in this minute, and um already He's got the poke. It's it's like I think the World Poker Tour watched this moment about how visually intense. Thirty-two fifty-seven. The yeah. poker face. Ultimate poker face. Ultimate Pacino poker face, which is I'm pure intimidation, but you can't see my eyes yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know there's pitch so, black glasses. Yeah, pitch black glasses, reflective. You're not seeing them, and he just comes onto the table and literally wipes off half of the crap on the table, <laughs> like because it's in front of me. I'm offended by it. And he's sitting here asking why he didn't get a call back. And, um, you know, th- there's little... If you watch Heat... If you've watched Heat once, and I don't think if you're listening to this podcast you have. You might have watched it once or twice. You know, you might have a, a really crisp memory. You might have watched it recently or a couple of times recently. And then you w- might have watched it a long time ago. But from the very moment when they're at the heist, he's requesting his guys to contact Tarina because he knows that Tarina has good connections as far as heists and thieves and he's a good he's a good snitch. This moment is all about reasserting that power dynamic because he hasn't been in touch with him. Mm-hmm. And that's what... It, and, and it sort of almost explains as well why he's pissed off and sort of hangs the phone up and on Casals yeah. because he's like, my guy Tarina should be back in contact with me if I need him. I haven't needed him in a while and I'm asking him for information and he's keeping he's still dicking, he's dicking me about and yeah. and and that that's a couple of things right is that that's almost like a the the neil crew is either so good that torina doesn't know anything <laughs> or they're or, so good that he does know and he doesn't want to say, say anything, anything. Yeah, he's too intimidated even. <laughs> even to them so i love that now when you get to sort of reflect back on it it's almost like oh shit like <laughs> he torina is literally in a rock and a hard place here because any information that he does give yeah Puts him in the yeah. shit with Neil McCauley, <laughs> which is not fun, but he's also got to contend with this f- ferocious junkyard dog of Vincent right now because he's ready to be chewed up. I mean, and here's the thing, and like, Torino also, I mean, we've only been just been introduced, we've seen him basically from a distance in the shot. We have maybe one or two seconds here of like a, a frontal shot of the, of the actor and the thing, but with the tweed suit and the old sort of overly stylized sort of the way he's dressed and the way his mannerisms from the way Pacino approaches him, yes, you already get the impression that here's someone who is basically can be very easily sort of controlled or manipulated. Yeah, sort of because he's 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 clearly elevated mm. right now above everyone around him. Yes, yeah, and so that the, that's what I love about him is that manicuredness. And even when you, it's great. But is that very it's that very LA sort of you know? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cook that kind of <laughs> went good. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I've gone straight, but I'm also eating with my knife and fork mm. at, at my nice table. I'm probably eating a nice meal surrounded by dirt and garbage and yeah. stolen material. So with like you know like Japanese cutlery of some sort yeah. like high end and and, and it's that <laughs> tweed whole, suits and everything yeah that whole del- exactly he can be he can be manipulated in a way that Neil oh, never yes. could because yeah. you go to Neil's house and there's not like plans no like, no they've no, got no, a, no they've got a work he doesn't have that materialism sort of thing like as much as as much as uh, Neil's sort of house and all that sort of stuff is quite beautiful and quite well done he's not he's not driven by that material needs <laughs> no no way. And so you get here in this last minute and, 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 and even 
<laughs> you love uh, just before um, just before we're talking about busting asses. Mm. Tarina looks. He's so like, oh, Vincent, man, I'm gonna call you. He's so. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's like an excuse that he's saying yeah. to a girlfriend for not texting yeah, 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 last yeah. night. You know, it's it's so put on and false. It's that I'm trying to do that cocky charm to try and think like yeah. that. It won't work. And, and, <laughs> and what's so funny is that you've just seen Vincent's face and manner and literally walking through these junkyard dogs. Mm. And what's so funny about Darina is that like. You think this is gonna work? <laughs> like this is not gonna work. It's not even gonna work on Drucker, who's yeah. a much more reasonable person. Yeah, it's like yeah. I should bust your ass right now. You didn't get in touch with me. Yeah. I was. And the thing for Drucker, and this is what you talk about hierarchically and all the power structures and heat, which are really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they really work as far as the crew. I love each of the crews are happy with the hierarchy because of order. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly with, uh, yeah, they know their place within a sort of, there are a group, they work as a group dynamic, and so they know their place within that group. Yes. And each one has a specific function to do, and they understand that sort of stuff. None of them, it's why, the same reason when Wangro came in, it was, uh, this was the outsider who doesn't really work well with the group, and that disrupts the entire dynamic. Yes. (laughs) And so, with Tarina here... Very stylish. <laughs> I love his tweed suit. It's outstanding. I know. It's like a, it's it's, like a great Doctor Who kind of... Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's so incongruous to what you're actually looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's there and, and, and Druck has been the one that's been trying to get in touch with him. He's not mm-hmm. there. And we should bust your ass right now. Because well, they basically forced... Obviously with the informants there are meet times and all that sort of stuff. So they've actually had to go to his place. They've had to... Sorry, the cops have had to go all the way up to this place where so, so um, geograf- place. Ge- geographically tell me uh, and tell the audience because I'm a little bit uh, uh, geographically unwise on the LA landscape is it is it far out we're talking far out from downtown it's oh okay, yeah, no, this is like a, uh, so we're going to do some beach. googling guys <laughs> as, and I'll vamp for us but just to give you some context um, you know where if you're a cop in robbery homicide division you're in downtown LA and this mm. and this happened um, the heist happened whereabouts, Garth? Uh, that was downtown. The heist was sort of downtown area. Yeah. Downtown area. And so even the rubber... Uh, yeah, so this is all, some more like Long Beach area. Okay, so yeah, this is way south. Way <laughs> south of downtown. So yeah, not yeah, only, yeah. Vincent's not... They're already casing a crime scene that's probably close to where they actually most of, are. Like, well, most of Los Angeles is... When you think of Los Angeles and the stuff of the beach, certainly you're, you think of west... West part of California, yes, which is like Manhattan Beach, Santa Monica, and all that sort of stuff. This is this is on the south end of like Long Beach sort of stuff. This is much more industrial thing. It's like comparing we we live in Sydney, so it's like comparing the east with the south, yes, sort of thing. Like there's a very different dynamic, yeah, <laughs> with the beaches, <laughs> and and so you've. It's a massive distance thing and an inconvenience and not even... Oh, it's a, a massive distance thing. I mean, we're talking, you know, you're putting a good, like, hour and a half, two-hour drive. Yeah, so two hours, <laughs> Vincent has had to drive. No wonder he's pissed off. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, the, the film doesn't tell us any of this, but I think it, the emphasis is, you know, and, and, and that actually makes a lot of sense for Tarina's character for me as far as he's got this sort of faux erudite. He wants to be sophisticated. He's so out of it. And, and, and even he meets in Koreatown, which is much more central mm. later on in the yeah. film. Um, but it makes sense for Tarina to have that distance between his... Like, because he wears his crimes so heavily on his sleeve, it makes sense mm. for him to have this chop shop that's a little bit off the beaten track and then sort of come back into town and pretend that he's all sophisticated and erudite as well. Yeah, but that also happens with uh, 
just the geography of Los Angeles as well. It's like uh, most of the city, most of the, everything that's sort of outside the city limits beyond, not so much the, well, the west from between the beach through to downtown is where almost all of Los Angeles lies that everyone is aware of Los Angeles. Up to the north, you have Burbank and you have where all the porn studios are making with sort of well-run down stuff. But the southern end and sort of the more eastern end, which is like the Irvine and the Long Beach areas, they're mostly just famous for being creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's sort of like the roughest areas of roughest western areas of Sydney or every every city has an area where it's like it's gone from being a suburban area, it's like full on suburbia that's gone into decay and has now become like an industrial wasteland. And it's it's just full of areas you just do not want to go. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it has now been requisitioned by Sort of some of the more unsavory elements. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're used for just this purpose. Yeah. And so we're here. We're here with Tarina. This scene, interestingly, is one of the first that was shot for Pacino. In the oh, film. really? Yeah. Okay. One of the first scenes that he shot as Vincent in the film is this scene. Mm. And so if you talk about a synthesis of what, I guess, he thought of as the character and you look at... Um, the ferocity, I guess, of what he was, his intention with Vincent and how clear in his mind this was a guy who was like charged up potentially on drugs or whatever the case may be. It's a really interesting watch to go. This is the first thing. And then for people who are like connoisseurs of heat to go, you know, this is an amazing relationship that Pacino has with Michael Mann as a, as a director, mm. especially in this film. And then you look at the, uh, you know, the following film with The Insider is how much he's able to pair that back to have a really full and whole, interesting, fascinating vision of this guy who's not just this, you know? So if he comes mm. into the movie and he's so charged up, look at how sophisticated and sublime his character is as far as you know wordlessly conveying heaps of information where in this scene he's like a blunt instrument you know what he's trying to play but it's an interesting idea in that if this was one of the earlier scenes did man deliberately choose this this is a scene that's more like Pacino playing the Pacino we're all familiar, familiar. with him, that sort of thing so he deliberately started in on something that was more familiar and then Tone him down. I love that theory. That's a that's a that's a great theory, right? Let him get some of that Mm. original energy out, and then help him pair it back to you know what the vision, what his vision was, and sort of get that alignment. But really interesting. This is the first scene Pacino does as Vincent, and I think there's a softening that happens with the character around. Mm. If you have a look, he's a he's a he's a he's a slightly different character. I'm sorry, there's birds in the background. (laughs) One we are in Australia. There are (laughs) kookaburras on occasion. God damn, (laughs) kookaburras! They're laughing at Vincent uh, and Tarina right now with us. Um, But yeah, so really interesting that that's you know this is the first performance, and we're just one morsel into it. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Garth Franklin, for one more one heat minute, Um, guys. Thank you for listening to One Heat Minute. Garth Franklin, thank you for our website design. Paul Davies, thank you so much for our music. Thank you guys for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. I am at Blakey's Batman on the Twitters. I'm at Dark Horizons on Twitter. You can find Garth or just darkhorizons.com for all of your Dark Horizons needs. But thank you so much for joining me again for One Heat Minute.